think it's also really important of how you structure your day. Meaning that I do most of my good thinking and writing in the first half of the day, especially the early morning. And then by the time the afternoon slumps come along, you know, I try and focus on that's a good time to have meetings or phone calls where you can be more stimulated. Welcome to From the Dorm Room to the Boardroom, a podcast where we provide insights, tips, and inspiration for college students and young professionals so they can make a really successful transition from college life to the professional world and beyond. My name is Andy Malinsky, and I'm your host. I'm also a professor of organizational behavior and international management at Brandeis University's International Business School, where we record and produce this podcast. Okay, today's guest is Nick Troiano. Nick has spent the last decade working to reform politics, including running for Congress as an independent candidate in 2014, and now leading Unite America, a national organization that aims to elect independent candidates. Nick, thanks so much for coming on. Good to be here with you, Andy. Great. So let's let's start... Um, Let's start by hearing a bit about what you do now. Explain to us what you do now. And then after that, I'll ask, we'll kind of rewind back to your college days and you can kind of bring us back to there and then from there back again to now. But let's start with now. Tell us about uh, what Unite America is, what your role is, what you do. Uh, Sounds good. Uh, So Unite America is an organization that's trying to bridge the growing partisan divide. Uh, by electing independent candidates to office who aren't beholden to the political parties or the special interests and can actually forge some common ground solutions to the country's big problems. So I lead the organization as executive director. Uh, I was on the organization's founding board a few years ago and came on board full-time about two years ago uh, to lead the organization. And now we're a team of about eight people uh, based in Denver, Colorado, and trying to pave a new path forward in our very dysfunctional and divisive politics these days. So that's really interesting. And, and you also ran for Congress in, as an independent candidate in 2014, which was four years ago. Tell us a bit about that. I did. Uh, I never really planned on that happening, or at least so soon. But after the government shutdown happened in 2013 because of disagreement over healthcare, I became so frustrated with the system uh, that I decided to do something about it and run for office against someone who was an uh, incumbent that I believe defined the problem in Washington. So I just finished my graduate studies at the time, actually, uh, in, in the fall of 2013, and decided to launch a campaign. And I was 24 at the time. You have to be 25 uh, to, to serve in office. But by the end of the campaign, I would have been that. And somehow convinced for... Uh, other people to live and work out of uh, headquarters together in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And we bootstrapped a congressional campaign trying to do something radically different in our politics by uh, running outside the two-party system and giving people a new option. Wow, cool. So maybe we'll come back to that. But then let's rewind a bit further. So, so you said you finished grad school in 2013. What year did you finish college? Uh, I finished my undergrad in t- 2011. 2011. And where was that? I was at uh, Georgetown University and I studied uh, American government. Ah, wow. Okay. So you got Georgetown in DC studying government. I, I think I'm seeing a picture emerging here. <laughs> so tell us about college. So, so actually t- tell us about like, you know, senior year of college, 
you know, it's a time when people are trying to figure out what the next steps might be, or maybe worried about what the next steps could be. Where were you there? Uh, Sort of bring us back there. Tell us a bit about your, your feelings, your thoughts, your concerns, your, your decision-making, whatever it might be. Sure. Well, I, uh, since I had gotten to DC just for my undergraduate to study politics, you know, I, I went there to do that because in high school, I participated in a civics program called Boy State, the American Legion runs, and became just very interested uh, in the political world, but also in public service. And so that's what motivated me uh, to go and study it. And I had always, throughout school, just followed my passion. I was an activist around issues that I cared about, whether that was political reform or the federal budget and debt and deficit. And so uh, when I was preparing to graduate, um, my school offered a fifth-year sort of master's program that decided to stick around for, uh, but was very involved uh, off-campus in DC uh, with the organizations, with efforts that I was starting and running uh, on issues that I really cared about. And so the question in my mind was, how do I find a way to get paid to do the work that I love around the issues that I really care about? And I've been uh, quite fortunate uh, to find a way uh, to do that. So I imagine that's not so easy, though, because there are probably a lot of people out there who have issues that they care about, who are around your age. And maybe the way that they do it is they sign a petition or they vote or they go to a couple of meetings and then other stuff gets in the way. But it sounds like you really forged a path forward here and started something. What? Yeah, I would say I took a sort of like non-traditional path. Uh, In my case, just to give a very specific example, I mentioned um, debt and deficit issues. The national debt was the issue that I cared most about when I was in college. And I got a group of student body presidents together that wrote a letter to the president and Congress expressing sort of desires in the next generation for them to be able to work together to deal with this large and long-term problem. That grew into an effort that was more sustainable in nature in the form of an organization called the Can Kicks Back. And when we started to make a lot of progress and got some attention for the work that we were doing, a larger organization uh, noticed who cares a lot about the same issues and they decided to help incubate our project so that myself and my co-founder would have some resources and runway to try and build uh, our own organization, just focus on the millennial demographic that be partnered with them. And so that was a professional bridge to me of you know being a volunteer activist to actually starting an organization and then finding a job as leading that organization because we you know had an idea, we worked hard at it, we got some attention for it, and then. Uh, took advantage of opportunities that came our way to sort of formalize it in a way that actually allowed for me to find work that way. Did you ever feel outside your comfort zone in in any of this? I imagine you're, you know, you sort of very quickly described all these steps that you took and that we started this and so on. I have to imagine that, I mean, you weren't that old. What Were you ever feeling outside your comfort zone? Yeah, absolutely. I think... Uh, there is no clear path that you're following. You know, no one's giving you instructions of do one, then two, then three, and so it's a you know it's uncertain. Uh, it's, it's a little bit scary, but I sort of identify myself as a civic entrepreneur, and like any entrepreneur, um, you look to create uh, opportunities where there are needs out there, and that's also the exciting part to me is because that allows you to be uh, very creative in the kind of 
work that you can do and also to find a way to make a living uh, doing it. So um, I was definitely outside my comfort zone, but that is what motivates me uh, a lot is being in that zone of not knowing exactly what to do or where to go. And you kind of have to figure it out for yourself. Hmm. So it motivates you instead of... For, I imagine for some people, it, it terrifies them. <laughs> yes. I, I, I think that might be the case. Uh, I would also say that you know, at the same time, you know, my parents are asking me, you know, when, when are you going to apply for a quote unquote real job? Um, and there's some pressures to conform and to take a more traditional path. Although I should say they, of course, were very supportive of me. Um, but I always knew too, I had some, uh, you know, I was fortunate to have um, a support network, including my family. You know, should that, should that not work out for me, you know, I would, I would have a bit of a safety net to figure out, okay, now what do I do? Um, I realized that not everyone you know, shares that same situation. So what, what, um, what misconceptions do you think college students have about, about leaving college and entering the real world? You've done it. What, what, uh, do you, do, and you, you, I imagine, have friends, colleagues, you see it around you? Yeah, I would say that uh, one misconception is that um, you know, the world is a meritocracy. If you are, you know, work really hard and the best what you do is going to work out for you. And I think one of the most important, well, that's very important. <laughs> I think one of the lessons that I've learned is that uh, a lot of development and success professionally is relational. Uh, being able to invest in relationships, not only when you have a job with your coworkers, with your management, etc., uh, but also just from a networking perspective, like whatever field or industry you want to go into, uh, to be able to get to know people even outside of the company that you work for, because you just never know uh, how those individuals, you can contribute to them, they can contribute to you over the course of a long period of time. You know, I'm, because I've you know, picked a path in an industry that I really care about in political reform, I'm still working with people that I got to know as a college sophomore and junior that, that you know, used to that, that run organizations that I used to intern for it, and now are colleagues of mine as, as fellow executive directors. So uh, I think investing in relationships uh, matters a lot, especially because you know, the world isn't fair. And, and I, I think that so much of success uh, and advancement uh, has to do with you know, strong interpersonal relationships at your job and otherwise. So I, I fully agree. And I think that's great advice. I, I, I know when I, I mentioned things like that to students, they're like, they say, what do you mean? Like, like, I get the abstract concept of investing in relationships, but how do you actually do that? Can you give us some some insights or tips into that? I mean, one of it obviously is the fact that you know stay in touch with people you went to college with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, one is you have to put yourself out there, um, and so you have to create opportunities for you to build for yourself to build your network. Uh, so that's going to events and going to conferences. Um, you know, going to things that might not seem directly relevant uh, to you right now, just to be able to expand your network. And then for the people who you um, really enjoy, who you admire, uh, to spend time you know, with them. I, uh, there is many people in my life who did work that I admired that I just went out of my way to introduce myself and to tell them I appreciate the work that they did. And you know, would ask them to coffee, uh, and it became sort of a regular check-in. And what I'm not suggesting is like, you know, look at this as very in the short term transactional uh, in terms of you know what can they do for me, but to 
have people who can help guide you because you won't it won't seem evident now, but down the road, um, it'll surprise you how many different paths you'll cross with people that you met uh, much earlier on in life and uh, how that can be beneficial. So when you look back at college, um, in addition to the relationships, was there was there anything concrete? I mean, you majored in politics, went to Georgetown, did a grad degree, and are in politics essentially. So, what what translated? What didn't translate from college to what you do now? Yeah, I would say that what didn't translate was any of the you know textbook lessons. You know, especially when it comes to politics. I mean, I think having a good historical understanding and context is important, um, but you know, the work that I do day to day, you know, these weren't part of lessons, lesson plans uh, that I got so much of. I found my professional assets have been knowing how to work with other people, knowing how to manage people, you know, knowing how to uh, create opportunities and attract you know, investors or to recruit um, staff members. So it's a lot of soft, because quote unquote, sort of soft skills, interpersonal, uh, emotional intelligence, like that whole realm is really important. I think the best way to build those skills is through involvement, especially in extracurricular activities. You know, what clubs and activities you're doing at school um, it has to do with internships that you can take on or off campus, uh, and then other um, organizations that you can get involved with or volunteer on. So I think uh, those opportunities and, and activities and involvements that I had uh, were the most valuable experiences of, from college for me. So speaking of college, uh, we have a question from a student. So let's hear the question and, and see, see what we think. So we have to say about it. Here we go. Hi, my name is Eliza and I study international affairs in Boston. I was wondering what your biggest difficulty was entering the workforce with a bachelor's degree. Ha, huh, but you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, almost did. Um, I, would, I would say the most difficult Part of entering the workforce with a bachelor's degree was that the question? I couldn't really. Yeah, think. exactly. I was thinking to myself, "Huh, you actually didn't." <laughs> <laughs> I think the most difficult part of entering the workforce with a bachelor's degree or a master's degree, in, in my view, has been on the student loan side. To be honest with you, huh. I mean, you're you're carrying a burden, um, or a lot of people are, to varying degrees of you know your student debt, and so that factors into what kind of job you can take and. You know how soon you need a job, and all all the things related to um, just being secure financially, and that's why I think um, it's important to give full consideration of that. You know, early on in your career, where you go to school, and then of course, you know, uh, when you might consider any form of higher education as well. So you did a. Inter- I just want to follow up also on her question. So you, you did the one year masters. Those those are those seem to be super popular. We I know at Brandeis um, where I, where I teach at the International Business School we offer many one year masters programs are very very popular. I know other schools do too. It seems to be a trend. Do you see sort of a um, a bump a bonus for that one year extra? Because it sounds like you did that. I think. Uh, right now, given how competitive the job market is, and I think this varies industry to industry, you know, having any kind of edge coming out of school, especially while one's resume would be quite short on professional experience, uh, could be important. And uh, so I think that's something that folks ought to consider, especially because it is one year, you, know, you save some time, you save some money, you could give yourself an edge in the interview process. Uh, and I also looked at it from the perspective of, you know, I'm here, I can do it now, I'm fresh with being a student, 
I might never get back to this point again. And so I just took advantage of the opportunity you know, while I had it. So we're kind of nearing the end of our chat and I've, I've got some kind of, I guess I'd call them quick tips questions. We'll see what you think. So the first one is, I actually really like this question because I learn a lot here. Not that I don't learn a lot everywhere, but here especially, can you share with us a productivity tip? My productivity tip is I'm obsessed with uh, to-do lists. And so I use a program called Trello um, to help me organize my lists. So that's a bit of a online tool that people can look up and use. I think it's also really important of how you structure your day. Meaning that I do most of my good thinking and writing in the first half of the day, especially the early morning. And then by the time the afternoon slumps come along, you know, I try and focus on that's a good time to have meetings or phone calls where you can be more stimulated. And so managing time to align with how you work at different parts of the day is also, I think, really important. Hmm, interesting. I was just reflecting on what time we're recording this. So I guess this is this is a, this is an illustration of your of your tactic. <laughs> um, how about a piece of advice that someone gave you earlier in your career? Well, the questions and a piece of advice that you didn't take but wish you had. But if but if you don't have something like that, just even some early career advice. Well, advice that I got that I wish I had taken, especially for students who are listening to it, is you really only go... You know, you have an opportunity to, to be mostly a full-time student once in your life. And so be a student and learn as much as you can and really just cherish the opportunity to soak up as much information as you can and don't feel so pressured of all of what's going to happen you know, after school or just focus on how to maximize you know, minimum work for the maximum grade. I think so many get caught up in that um, sort of rat race that uh, you lose the opportunity to take advantage of the education that you're getting. And so, if I had to do something over again, I'd probably focus on that bit of advice. That's really that's that's a really good point. Um, how about mentoring? What what do you think makes for a good mentor? Have you had uh, some some good mentors? Have you been a mentor? Say a bit about that. Yeah, I have to say that I wouldn't be anywhere near where I'm at today or doing what I'm doing, but for two mentors in my life. One was uh, Doug Bailey. The other is a guy named Jake Brewer. Both have uh, passed on. And, and so I, I feel incredibly fortunate for the time that I had with both of them because uh, mentors see something in you that you don't necessarily see in yourself quite yet. And great mentors can help develop that uh, potential. And that could be just giving time uh, to answer questions, to do brainstorming, just to be there when you need someone to talk to. Uh, and so they inspired me from a professional standpoint, but also helped develop me from a personal standpoint. And that's why, um, you know, though I keep a busy schedule whenever anyone, a stranger or someone I know, reaches out for time to have a conversation about uh, their own path in life, uh, I'll make it because I think it's a way of you know giving back to the people who gave a lot to me. Ah, that's really interesting. If and by the way, if I just can add to that, like seek yeah. out. Seek out. Uh, I think so many people are find such great satisfaction in being mentors, uh, especially for young people and college students. And so seek them out. <laughs> you know, who are the people whose work and lives you admire, um, and ask them for their time for a conversation or for coffee because. Uh, I think you'd be pleasantly surprised the amount of people who'd be willing to give time to that kind of thing. I f- I agree with that. I I fully agree with that. And I think I think that college students don't 
do that enough. And I, I can see why, because it's kind of intimidating. It's an imposition and so on. But yeah, and w- which means that hardly anyone does it. And so when it does happen, right. people are like, whoa, this is a, someone <laughs> special I should really you know, get to know and make time for. So right. realize that if you do it, uh, you're already like you know, heads and shoulders among your peers in taking advantage of a, a lot of opportunities that the world offers, especially in such an age where you can literally get in direct contact with basically anyone you want. Right. No, it's, I, I think you're you're totally right. Um, so 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 the last question is, um, you you, uh, you can you can rewind, you can place yourself back in time as is the t- sort of twenty year old version of yourself. Let's say you're a senior in college, or however, you know, whatever uh, year you were at that time in your life. Is there any advice that that the 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 you of today would give to the you of back then? Thinking about this. Uh... I think my advice is, you know, invest in continued growth and development of yourself. It's not the case where you, you know, are you graduate from school and all done. You know, you poured with knowledge in your head, whatever you could, and now you're the same, uh, you know, person you're going to be ten years from now. Like I would look out for opportunities for how do you continue to learn, how do you continue to build uh, your skills, and to be, you know, introspective and and set some goals and reflect on it, you know. Every year, every six months, so that you're continuing to grow. Like, don't if you want to be successful and really um, achieve uh, something great in whatever industry you're interested in. Uh, I think it takes that kind of consistent uh, growth mindset um, to do so. This has been great. You, you, I mean, just really boom, 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 boom. It's <laughs> just like one awesome nugget after another. I really appreciate. The time you took um, is there is there a way that uh, anyone listening can can find out more about you or your organization? Yep. So Unite America is at uniteamerica.org. My own website is at nicktriano.com, and my email is just nick at uniteamerica.org. Um, and how do you spell Triano for folks? It's T R O I A N O. Okay, and we'll have that in the show notes as well. Um, so th- Nick, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it as well, and good to be with you. Great. Thanks. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to From the Dorm Room to the Boardroom. If you're interested in learning more about the work that I do and helping people step outside their comfort zones and transition successfully into the professional world, please visit my website, www.andymolinsky.com. That's A-N-D-Y-M-O-L-I-N-S-K-Y.com. And also feel free to email me directly at Andy at andymolinsky.com with any feedback or ideas for guests for future podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Brandeis University's International Business School. By teaching rigorous business, finance, and economics, connecting students to best practices and immersing them in international experiences, Brandeis International Business School prepares exceptional individuals from around the globe to become principled professionals in companies and public institutions worldwide. Thank you so much for listening.